You're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. This week we have a very special crossover episode with Rick Lee James of the Voices in My Head podcast. He's a singer-songwriter as well as the worship leader of Home Road Nazarene in Springfield, Ohio. Thanks for all you do for young pastors and thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to a very special podcast crossover today featuring me, Rick Lee James, of the Voices in My Head podcast. And me, Britt Bowlerjack, of This Nazarene Life. Well, uh, Britt, I feel like today I'm hosting your podcast and you're hosting my podcast. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't know exactly how to say this. I've done this a couple times before and uh, in, in crossover podcast mode, and I've always had a lot of fun. And I never know who the real host is, but I'm sure I'm happy to be here with you. I'm a fan of This Nazarene Life and the Young Clergy Network. And I'm just about to turn 40, so I'm almost too old to be a part of the Young Clergy Network anymore, so I'm glad <laughs> to have you on uh, before that happens here in just a week or so. Oh, you know, we'll we'll take anybody. We always need role models and mentors, and you don't have to be young to be a part of what we're doing. Yeah, now, now that I'm so, now, be careful. I don't, I don't. I still am young. I gotta, you know, afford it. <laughs> The, the the 40 thing, you know, it's, it seems younger all the time the closer I approach it. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to, to get to chat with you today about hopefully uh, some things that are going to have meaning and, and some importance in our life as we discuss life and ministry together. And this is really, as I already alluded to, this is a crossover podcast, and so it's something that hopefully – There'll be some new listeners that haven't heard This Nazarene Life yet, and maybe some new listeners that haven't heard Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rickley James yet, and we'll get to share some listeners and some ideas together today. Now, before we get into the meat of our conversation, there was a couple things that, just in a small talk mode, I wanted to ask you about. One of them yeah. is this. This has really, I don't think, much of anything at all to do with... Um, with ministry or anything like that you can tell me if i'm wrong but tell me about this youtube show about living in a tiny house and cooking vegan <laughs> food that you're uh, being a part of right now um well i have noticed lately that i don't have uh, much creative um time in my life and so I was looking for a hobby essentially something that I could do that would kind of get my creative juices flowing and a friend of mine was looking for a hobby and he was a videographer and he said why don't we do a vegan cooking show in your tiny house and you can call it tiny house vegan and that'll just be our hobby together and I was like oh it's perfect so I'm still working on it uh, getting all the kinks out I don't think we're gonna launch until later this fall because we're just taking it slow and hanging out and having fun doing it so I'm I'm pretty excited about it and um, if you want to like keep up with that journey you can Instagram Eleanor the Airstream and I'll, I'm sure that I will keep a lot of details up on that Instagram account now something I'm curious about when it comes to that with YouTube shows are you planning on doing it like a season at a time so there'd be like a set number of episodes and you know then the episode cliffhanger at the end or you know <laughs> uh, I don't know we haven't talked about seasons we're we're hoping once we launch it 
to really um, be consistent and launch something every every week. My podcast uploads on Mondays, so probably the YouTube video will upload on Mondays, um, and we'll just kind of see how how long we can do it before we get bored. So it may just depend on how we feel about it by the end. Well, see, I could I could set up the the cliffhanger for you right now. Okay, like <laughs> it could be you know a voiceover at the end. You know, what will Brittany and Aaron move out of their tiny house into a mansion? Will they switch and suddenly decide to eat Burger King. No, you know, it's something like that. You know, it, it'll be like, you know, it's tuned back next season to find out on Tiny House Vegan, you know. Yes, yes. I love so, it. I love it. Well, see, so you can you can just remember me when those royalty checks come rolling in at the That's end of right. your season. So. I'll make sure you get a percentage. Fantastic. Well, for, for people who might not know your podcast or maybe have not been introduced to you yet i want to talk just a little bit about you before we get much further into our conversation because you are a person with many titles uh much like me i I dabble in a lot of different things i don't know how many titles i have uh but you are not only the host of this nazarene life which is a really fantastic podcast i was just listening uh to one of the episodes this morning actually it was the episode about you just so i could get even more uh familiar but you are also a college and community pastor uh you're actually a co-pastor with your husband husband Aaron at the First Church of the Nazarene in and at OKC uh, First Church of the Nazarene in Kansas City Oklahoma or yeah o- uh, OKC that's Oklahoma uh, say the abri- is it just Oklahoma Kansas City yep. Church okay it's, uh, OKC First Church of the Nazarene okay yeah, we're here First. in Oklahoma City okay great and and you're also uh, really the I guess director would be the title mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. of the Young Clergy Network and you've yeah. been doing some really great things. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to be at any of your events, but I've been watching online and you've been doing some wonderful things. Your uh, your very first big gathering together and you had Richard Rohr as a speaker, which is mm-hmm. just an amazing thing. Richard is a one of my favorite authors. I really enjoy. Uh, every, and I, I listen to him on a podcast too on, on a pretty regular basis so that's a neat thing I almost was able to connect with you and the Young Clergy Network at uh, General Assembly in Indianapolis this year oh, yeah. but yeah. alas I was only there for a couple days and I had to be going and it just just the nature of things like that when you have other responsibilities you're in and out And uh, but yeah. but I'm so glad that we finally got to connect a little bit on here I think you're doing great work and I applaud the way that you are doing your best to bring people together, especially in a world that seems so divisive right now. <laughs> so so I, I appreciate that, and especially with young ministers who yeah. I know oftentimes feel like they don't have much of a voice uh, in the yeah. church. And I think it's great that uh, a young minister like you is is champion uh, of of that cause, but I think you have a lot of older people and sort of mentors that are on board too that are really yeah. help being supportive in that. Oh yeah, for sure. I think I think the um, the network has spawned a movement that I did not expect, and a lot of older people really stepping up. Um, and I like to say more experienced ministers because you know. So, Sometimes they're not older. They they just love us. And um, it's been amazing to see the response and the enthusiasm. I'm a I'm an Enneagram 9. I'm a peacemaker. So my whole goal is to bridge 
gaps between people and find ways that we can collaborate and come together. So I'm really, really happy to see that the network is actually doing some of that. That's fantastic. And there you go, you and your Richard Rohr and Enneagram and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you probably are also a fan of, of Ian Cron, uh, who is does a lot with Enneagram. I don't know, Ian Morgan Cron, yes, the yes. author. And uh, I've yes, had... I've I had read- I, I had him on this show a couple of years ago. I need to try to get him back on again. I'm a big fan of his books, Chasing Francis. And boy, the Enneagram in itself is a whole fascinating conversation and, and a topic that would just go all kinds of different places we probably don't want to go to today. But that's pretty cool to know you're a peacemaker. I can't remember what I am. It's been a while since I did the Enneagram. Um, <laughs> I, I just try to be all things to all people. So I'm a little bit of all of them. That's just what I'm yeah. going to say for today's for today's purposes. So There you go. So. You're multi-passionate. Well, I, I'm going to let you kind of take over the reins here as host uh, and, and and just let you ask me some things and, and see where the conversation goes. And I, I'm really, once again, I'm excited about our conversation and I'm excited when we have fellow ministers on the podcast together. Um, and, I'm, and I'm always interested uh, to see not only what God is doing, but to listen in the moment for what God might even be speaking to us right now in our conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, you were nominated a while back, so it's nice to finally have you on the show. But um, one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you was if you could kind of tell us the story of your call to ministry, how you ended up um, going into ministry. Yeah, definitely. I went into ministry kicking and screaming. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, I grew up in the Church of the Nazarene, uh, mm-hmm. probably much like you. You know, I have, uh, and my parents are, are are in the Church of the Nazarene. My dad's a Nazarene pastor, but you know, for all intents and purposes, my mom was just as much a minister as my dad was. Uh, she always was leading music. She was in the children's department. She was. Uh, teaching lessons so you know both of them together even though dad always had the title uh, you know I think mom and dad were both just about as Nazarene as you could get and were so active and still are very active in ministry Um, so I've I've known the Nazarene church um, since the day I was born and I don't I don't think I ever you know missed a day unless I was deathly sick (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't think it was a bad thing, but I just didn't want to go into ministry. And the yeah. only kind of ministry I could envision at that time, uh, we didn't you know, really have a lot of access to Internet or things like that. And I, I wasn't a big reader when I was a young person. Uh, so in high school, when somebody was to say to me, you know, you think you're going to be a minister, all I could envision was senior pastor of a church mm. somewhere preaching. And I thought yeah. – I thought, no, I, I don't really want to do that. Nothing against that, but I have seen that my whole life, and I just I yeah. don't think that's the cloth that I'm cut from necessarily. Mm. Uh, so interestingly enough, in high school, I I got involved. I lived in Dixon, Tennessee, which is about 45 minutes from Nashville and, and Trevecca University, where I ended up going to college. But around my junior or senior year, I started feeling what I could only – call the nudge of the spirit on my heart and Mm. I would be in services and hear sermons and and I felt like I was supposed to respond in some way like like God was calling me into ministry but 
again, I couldn't envision it. All I ever wanted to do was be a guitarist, and uh, and mm. I, I was getting pretty good at it. I was having some opportunities to do some studio session recording, even in high school, and um, I had played at the Ryman Auditorium. Uh, my I oh, guess wow. it was my junior year of, of high school, so um, I was making connections and, and doing things, and I just wanted to be like a touring guitarist. I didn't really care about school. I didn't want, you know, um, but I fell in with this group of people from a Bible study at my public school, of all places, and I they just they just really in in many ways i think discipled me or we discipled each other together in that bible school uh, or not bible school it was like a a prayer time bible study that met in the mornings before school i don't think any of us could be qualified as a theologian at that point but but we all just met together and prayed every morning and i think through my time in public school having these um prayer times with other Christian friends, falling in with a bunch of other people who were Christians, I just really started feeling that nudge. And I remember talking about it with my youth pastor, and he said, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep you in prayer about this because I was wrestling with it so much. So on a Sunday morning, uh, this is this is how I remember the call, and it still kind of gives me chills to think about because this doesn't happen to me very often. Um uh, this maybe is the only time anything like this has happened to me. Um, I was in a, a typical Sunday morning service. My dad had been preaching. I don't remember what the message was about. But at the end of service, as often happens in Nazarene churches, there was an altar call given. There was a song being played. And I was standing about as far back in the back of the church as I could get. And it was just packed. I remember it being really full that morning. My youth pastor was in the sound booth a, a good distance away from where I was sitting, and I was kind of in the middle of a section of people that was full, and I had my head bowed and my eyes shut, and I I said, Lord, if you want me to, I will go and pray about this and accept this call, but I, I just need some sort of affirmation that this is what you want me to do. As I prayed that, I felt a hand on my shoulder, and somehow my youth pastor had gotten out from the sound booth and made his way over to where I was and had his hand on my shoulder, and he whispered in my ear, he said, Rick, I think I'm supposed to pray with you about your call to ministry. (laughs) So I was like, I guess it can't get any clearer than that. And so that was sort of a, a big yes for me in life. That I mean, almost like we say about sanctification, it was the big yes that gave way to many other yeses <laughs> in yeah. life. Um, I, I really feel like that was a, a, a formative moment in my life. And little did I know that there was all sorts of areas of ministry for me that God had that were not necessarily senior pastor. You know, I've I've been traveling as a as a, a minister of music for quite a while. I, I've been on staff for 15 years just part-time, you know, here in my church in, in Springfield, Ohio. But in the midst of that, I, I travel and I, I do, like this past year, I played at the National Worship Leader Conference. Um, I've I've become a songwriter for places like Lifeway Worship. And, um, I've you know, I do music videos. I get to be like a traveling musician. I, I get to do the thing that I thought I was going to have to give up, you know. Yeah. And I get to yeah. be a studio player and I get to do all these things that – really in many ways have been beyond you know my wildest dreams and when I said yes to God I thought I was saying yes meaning I'm giving it all up I'm not gonna Mm. I'm not gonna play guitar anymore I'm not gonna write songs I'm not gonna do any of this and it just 
seemed like in in that moment of that yes to him it was like the lord was just reminding me i don't want you to give all this stuff up i said i i want yeah. you to use it in different and 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 more um more focused ways so I, I i apologize if that was an extremely long story but that's sort of the the background to my life so oh no i, I love it i like getting the whole story so so kind of continue the story where did where did you go from there on your journey Oh my goodness, my journey! Gosh, it, it feels like a long one. Um, I, how do I sum it up? I I went from there. I I went to Trevecca, and I started out in the music program there, still feeling that it was going to be some sort of music ministry. But mm. at that time, uh, oddly enough, even though Trevecca has a wonderful music program today, and they're in the center of Music City, they were in transition and didn't have a head of the music department at that time. Mm. They had kind of uh i don't want to say it was a bad program it just was more focused in like classical music and it was more focused mm. in things that um that i just wasn't going to use you know typically sure. in, in the way i was doing those are those are perfectly sure. good things i wish i was better at that but i really felt like you know what i want to be someone who writes like good songs for the church and I want good theology mm -hmm. and I don't really know that much about it I grew up in the pastor's home so I knew a lot of the bible but I really didn't know theology so I switched my major and became a religion major and so I went through Trevecca as a, um, a religion major youth ministry minor and I kind of paid my way through college doing concerts on the weekend <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so I, I went I went through there and and um, I I got married while I was in college um, and uh, I I probably uh, made some decisions that were that were quick that I probably shouldn't have and maybe if I would have prayed a little longer but I ended up at a church serving uh, right after college and uh, I was a newly married person and um, it just ended up not being a real good fit where I was yeah. and yeah. it was one of those like like preacher killer type <laughs> type mm. churches when you went in and honestly I, I kind of left that church although I loved a lot of the people there I felt I felt very much like uh, I had been wounded and and um, mm. and I for for both of us as a couple even um, sure. had been really wounded when we left there I felt like I couldn't do yeah. music I felt like I was no good at anything um, and, and as, as Grace would have it, I ended up in Springfield, Ohio, where I am now and have been there for, uh, over like 15 years now. Uh, oh, in, wow. in that time when I came to Springfield, Ohio, I was not doing music in any way whatsoever. I had been oh. kind of wounded to the point I thought, I thought I'm not supposed to do music because I just was so bruised. This is, can sometimes happen in, in a church setting, unfortunately, but mm -hmm. I came on as full-time youth pastor exclusively, and um, it was like one of those things like I really would like to do music, but I didn't feel like I could do it, and so for about, I don't know, a year or so, I just was doing youth, and we had a pastoral transition, so the senior pastor that I came under left, a new pastor came in, the music pastor we had, uh, he resigned, and we didn't have anybody to do music. And so cautiously, you know, I started at the request of my pastor just leading music to fill in on Sunday morning. <laughs> mm. And and then um, and so I was youth and music and, and doing that. And then um, I started getting like affirmations from the people here at the church, like 
Like, we had no idea you even did music. Like, you're really good at this, you know? Um, and, and so it was, it was really affirming my senior pastor, Keith Sarver, who is still here. He, he was just very affirming of my gifts and he really, you know, he said, I, I think you need to be doing, you know, more of this. And, Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I started doing that more and more. So I was full-time youth and full-time music or part-time each. However that works out, you're never really part-time when you're doing part-time. <laughs> <laughs> so you know? true, yes. So I did that for a while. And then uh, I, I just thought I thought life was going pretty great. Um, some good things were happening on a ministry front. And um, and unexpectedly and tragically, and, and um, my my first marriage ended while I was here, and um, and it just really after I don't know I think I had been here about six years at that point, and um, it was really you talk about a soul killer. I mean, it was it was so hard just not not knowing really that anything was wrong, and then all of a sudden I'm alone, and uh, I had I had such a uh, supportive church and 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 you know I look back by the way I, I want to say this too because I, I I don't ever mean to speak uh, badly of my ex-wife um, there there's always reasons there's never good excuses I don't think but there's always reasons for for why things happen and so I, I always want to try to say too that a lot of the baggage that I think um, happened came from some of the tough experiences that we had in that first church, you know, and, uh, and I, I can't ever blame that on anybody, but I always want to caution people, be careful what you do to people who are young and in ministry, because it can have a lasting effect, um, on them. And I, and I think part of the reason that, um, what happened with, with my marriage was, was partly, uh, not in full, but partly because of some of those scarring experiences that were just never able to be gotten over you know (laughs) in some of those ways so uh this is where my journey really gets interesting and i'll try to keep it as short as i can but there's just a lot to tell so if i'm going to tell me the whole story i I want the whole story okay um well thankfully and wonderfully um i was you know i was terrified that am i going to have to quit ministry now you know you just never know how it's going to be the Nazarene church is usually pretty gracious but sometimes I've heard these stories of you know well we don't want you if we can't have you as a package deal type thing Mm -hmm. and and my my church board and my pastor and friends and people here they were just um they just loved me with open arms and and you know we were one of those churches that we were in transition musically from being a church that was you know, kind of piano and organ to being sort of like a modern praise band that most churches, you know, are, are doing today. Mm. But in that time, even though we were experiencing some of the worship wars and things, because I had been uh, so hurt and was so crushed and my church family knew it, it was like those battles just subsided, you know. <laughs> mm. um, so while I was in a state of real brokenness, I think the church family since that and really came around and loved me, mm. and and uh, in in ways that I probably wouldn't have expected. And I'd get notes from people. I had I had one lady, God bless her, in our church, um, because I was newly single. You know, I just didn't have stuff that that people have uh, when when they. It was almost like starting over in many ways. I was still yeah. living in the same place, but I didn't I didn't have a table. I, and and I had a, a lady in our church that. 
her and her husband bought me a table and chairs from Target, you know, just like Aww. unexpectedly or, or or they gave me a like an, you know, an envelope with money and said, hey, we, we want you to use this and buy a table and chairs, you know, for yourself and things like that that were just mm. so sweet and so kind. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was it was wonderful the the way that the church I think was really being the church in that time, and it didn't mean all, mm. all it didn't mean all of a sudden everybody was like okay with where the music program was going, but I was just in a, a state of brokenness, and it's really something when you are on staff at a church when you're supposed to be one of the people ministering on Sunday and you just can't do it, you know, <laughs> I I think I missed maybe one week because I just went away, um, but I. I really sensed them, even though I felt like I wasn't probably doing my best, I felt them ministering to me in a lot of ways, you know, as mm -hmm. I would stand on the platform and try to lead them, I feel like they were leading me in, in many oh. ways throughout that time. Um, so I spent some time with a Christian counselor, uh, probably a good year, and this counselor kept saying to me, uh, you know, I really think you're supposed to be doing some different things, you know, than what you are. I said, you're you're a great writer, and you're a good songwriter, but you're also just like a good writer. You know, I don't know if God has like a book in store for you to write, or if you need to be doing more with your songwriting, or if you need to be traveling. So, but I just feel like there's there's life in you that you're not receiving, and that and that you're not giving away to others because mm. you're not doing fully what you should be doing, and. Mm. Um, and so I started praying about, you know, what am I supposed to do? Am I, am I supposed to resign my position? Am I supposed to do something with music? And I had been writing music for a while, and I'd never, ever gotten, like, a royalty check or anything before. Sure. So once again, you know, I say it never happened before, but I, uh, you know, similar to my um, being in church and praying that prayer to God about, you know, if you want me to go to ministry, I'm going to need some help. It was almost like a prayer in that way of, of Lord, here I am, single again. Um, mm. I, I'm wondering what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't really have any direction other than my heart. I want to do something more. I love music. You know I do. Uh, if you want me to start going in a different direction, maybe some kind of confirmation. Well, that, that week, and I want to say it was within the day of having that conversation with my counselor, um, uh, maybe it's revisionist history, but it seems that way in my mind. <laughs> like with, within a day, I went to my mailbox and I had a check um, from CCLI, a royalty check, I, which I had never really gotten before. Um, mm -hmm. And somebody apparently had been using my music. It was to this day um, the biggest royalty check I've ever had. It was like oh, it, wow. it was like over $500 or something. It was crazy. Um, wow. and so, to, so to go from like never having one to all of a sudden it was like, where did this come from? You know, like I don't, I'm like this, this feels like a professional or something, you know, I, and, and to this day I've still never had royalties that big. Usually my royalties aren't that huge, even though I'm doing it on a more full-time <laughs> basis <laughs> now. Um, but again, it was just one of those like, wow, I think I'm supposed to pay attention to something here and like start moving in a different direction. So I prayed about it. I talked to my pastor about it. He was so supportive. And I went with him to a church board meeting, both of us fully thinking I was going to resign that night because I thought I was supposed to be doing something more with music. I didn't know if that meant Nashville. I didn't know if it meant going somewhere else. So I went into this board meeting with him, with this wonderful board and I tried to resign <laughs> where I was at. 
And and I I remember one of the board members saying, "Well, is there some way we could help you do this? Like like yeah. we we don't want to like necessarily lose you and you know, you're going to need some sort of like income when there's not income, you know, type thing." So, yeah. we worked out like a situation over the next couple of weeks where they let me re- like resign from being youth pastor. So I, I resigned from that. I was able to see all all of the kids who started, you know, as young, that like just coming into the youth group. I was able to see them graduate out um, oh, right. in the time. Yes. So I kind of did one complete cycle with the teens that were there at the time. Um, and that's when I resigned because I wanted to see them finish high school, you know. Um, yeah. And... Then we worked out this system, which I've, I'm still doing today, like over 10 years later, I think, or some almost 10 years later, um, where if if I'm here, I, I get a little bit of money from the church to be here. Um, and if I'm not, I don't. So <laughs> it's sort of like I have an open invitation at all times. Like if somebody invites me, I'm free to go and do a concert or, you know, be a part of an event somewhere or uh, a festival or things like that if they take me away. But as it turns out, churches aren't doing like Sunday concerts like they once were. So I'm still ministering at my church probably 80% of the time. And I'm doing a lot of traveling during the week and doing different things. Um, Mm. So in the midst of all that, um, I'm going to just put several years into a nutshell. But I... um, I, the, the Lord sent a lady to my church after several years of me being single, um, and it just seemed like it was right, and we just hit it off, and uh, we got married, and, and we've been married for um, for over six years now. Uh, we have a four-year-old son, and um, and in the midst of that time of, of getting married, um, I, I signed... Uh, several songs over with with Lifeway Worship in Nashville that I had written and with their help uh, did my latest album that I have out called Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations and and they liked the songs so much that what they did was basically I mean I put in some of my money but basically I, I wanted to do like a, a for real radio ready like album something much bigger than I'd ever done before and I didn't have the means to do at the time and and once again i i had i had the producer it was craig adams uh who is actually um the the head of a and r um and the head of publishing um at lifeway worship and, and he's an old friend from when i lived in nashville um but i had asked him if he'd be interested in producing my album and he said yeah so i started raising funds to do this new album um and he hadn't heard the songs yet and so I started doing like fundraising and I had like this fundraiser concert I needed like a thousand dollars just to get like things rolling just to pay yeah. to reserve the studio and mm. and it was going to be like a fifteen thousand dollar project you know so it was real lofty so I did this fundraiser and I came away from the fundraiser with like forty dollars or something like it was crazy <laughs> it was so discouraging I went home that night and I was like, God, am I supposed to do this or not? You know, and I don't even think Craig knew. But the next morning, um, I, I mean, it was a Saturday morning. I was kind of bummed. I'm like, how in the world am I going to raise, you know, this money for this album? Am I going to do crowdfunding or whatever? And and I had put aside uh, some money already. So I didn't I had more than just forty dollars. But um but Craig called me on Saturday morning, or he texted me, said, "Do you have a minute? I could I could call and talk to you." 
And uh, I said, sure, you know. And he said, we really like all these songs that you've written and, and the arrangements that you've done uh, of hymns, we really like. And he said, what we'd like to do, if you're open to this, he said, I we would like to be the publisher on every song on the album and then we'll we'll pay for the musicians and you know we'll we'll take what you have you give it to us and we'll sort of do a joint project together so we can be the publisher and help get your music out on a big scale um and and we will own your audio tracks but you can like put your vocals on and add like your guitar parts that you want in here and there and kind of give it your own touch to the album said but you'll have like a for real um nashville big budget studio like radio ready album you know from us ready to go and the trade-off is we get to use your songs anytime we like you know (laughs) so and so we can put them into choral arrangements or we can put them out in our lifeway stores or we can you know have other artists record them and things like that and I'm just sitting there, like I hung up the phone. I was like, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> um, and I went and and talked to my wife. And I remember it was a Saturday morning, and and you know we were just kind of being low key that day. And she had the baby, and our our four year old was literally a baby at that time. And and uh, I said, you won't believe what just happened. I said, it's like they want, they like the songs and they want to do a full album with me. Like it's, it's almost like it's not a record deal, but it's close. I still get to be independent and do what I want with the songs. But, you know, they're going to like hire the best musicians in Nashville. And so I got to go in and record with, because I'm, you know, I told you from way back, I was sort of a studio musician kid, you know. Um, and I always paid attention to liner notes and who was playing on albums and who was playing on my favorite albums growing up and stuff. And I got to go in the studio with some of the guys that I had like, like really looked up to <laughs> for the longest oh, wow. time. Yeah, and it was I was nerve wracking, but they were so wonderful and they were just like they just made me feel like one of them, you know. And like, no, oh, we're so glad to have you here and. And uh, and Craig told me, he said, this is a really unique day, the day we went in to record all the tracks with these studio guys that are professionals in Nashville. He said, you have something very unique. He said, not only are these the guys that everybody in Nashville uses, for, they've, he said, they've made millions for people over the years, you know, just off their playing. He said, you have a really unique day and every single one of them are like really strong, committed Christians and they really care about what they're doing and they're going to do a good job. You know, they, they care about this. And so they've all in some way or another, you know, been friends to me over the years, even if it's just through like little messages on Facebook and whatnot. So fast forward to now be as a result of working with Lifeway Worship and as a result of, you know, uh, still just like working feverishly at doing music, not only in my local church, but on a bigger level, it's, it's opened up some, some pretty neat opportunities for me and and you know i got invited last year to do a thing opening for crowder and um i i was doing some stuff with the national worship leader conference this year um and you know the ccli thing that i said i'd never gotten royalties before um (laughs) uh now they they are featuring like three of my videos um on their website right now my music videos and uh so i actually have you know like full sheet music on ccli so churches can go there and download stuff to use in their congregations on sunday mornings so um it's just it's been amazing god's taken me different places um i i have a new music video coming out on August 16th and and Nazarene Compassionate Ministries has been kind enough to let me use some of their video footage from refugee camps 
um, oh, wow. that they have been working at due to, you know, Syrian refugees and others from around the world that, you know, have experienced violent persecution. And so I'm, I'm seeing God just open these doors that have been, it's kind of beyond my wildest dreams, you know, um, yeah. in many ways that I still get to minister in the local church, but still get to do things that are, that are becoming like on a more global level. I've, I've been as far as Africa so far, you know, playing music and speaking yeah. and preaching, um, and so I just, I'm grateful for the journey that I've been on. I'm sure there's more to tell, but I'm, I'm forgetting about it right now. But, but that's kind of my, my story. And I, I know I talked a whole lot, so I apologize for that. Oh, no, don't, don't apologize. Um, kind of, can I ask you, um, what, what is it that inspires you to stay in a local church, in the Church of the Nazarene? What is it that's kind of keeping you tethered there? I think that God has has not released me um, from from this place. That's the best answer I have for you. I mean, there's been plenty of times that that I've been approached uh, by some other churches and even some pretty big churches that have said, you know, will you come and and do this full time? Uh, and and I, you know, at times I think, well, maybe I should. I could actually have like a a steady salary for my family rather than just you know whatever comes in here and there from concerts and royalties and things. Um, but I just don't, I don't feel like I've been released yet. You know, there's been a few mm. times where I've, I've, uh, talked about that with other people or, or been a few times that, uh, I've wondered, you know, am I even supposed to be in a, in the church anymore? And up to this point, I just, I just haven't felt a release to leave that behind yet. And in fact, a lot of the, the things that I'm doing on a more national level with music, um, I don't think I could be doing if I wasn't connected to a local church ministering in some ways. Um, you know, things like doing things with Worship Leader Media um, and, you know, who does the Worship Leader magazine and Song Discovery and all that stuff. Like, it's really hard to have a voice with them if you're not actually being a part of a church and doing, like, <laughs> like yeah. things in local church ministry, you know. So it's, sure. um, it's really uh, – it's – it, it's been a good and necessary thing, and I think I've needed the church more than I have known it. Um, and I and I've needed even the hard things that come with church life too. I mean, you need you need the grumpy people as well as the cheery ones, and we need all of us together to figure out what it means to live out the kingdom of God. I think, and mm-hmm. and so we, you know, obviously in in 15 years at one place, there's been times where I thought, well, the grass must be greener somewhere else or doing something else. Uh, but thankfully up until this point, I just haven't, um, I haven't sensed that he's led me, uh, to another place yet. And the church thankfully has still been open to being flexible enough with me to allow me to continue doing what I'm doing outside the church walls, uh, as well as inside. Man, that's great. Do you feel like your work in a local church informs and inspires what you do outside of it? It it does. I really think it does. Uh, e- even though I'm part-time, and so that means I'm in the office, you know, a couple days a week. I'm in my office at church right now, actually. Um, and then I'm there on Sundays and, and things like that. Um, like the music that I write, in, in many ways, the church is the guinea pig for you know the wor- the worship songs that I'm bringing, <laughs> um, yeah. and and I'm always very careful and and even scared sometimes to try out new things with my congregation because I don't want it to just be like oh hey here here's this cool new song I wrote let's sing it together you know um, yeah I, I'm really hesitant and I try not to do my songs um, 
in overabundance. I mean, if, if I feel like it fits the theme and if I feel like it fits where we're going, I'll try to use them. Um, but I, I'm slow in introducing those things, but I think it helps to be in a local congregation, not only because I want to write songs that are very hymn-like and songs that I really strive to help the church uh, sing. You know, I want to I want to do my best in my writing to write something that's beneficial sort of universally for congregations. But it also, it's good to be connected. Um, I, I don't think if I... Uh, I don't think I'd be the writer I am and the person I am or the minister that I am if I didn't have these people's stories, too, that I mm. minister with. I mean, yeah. um, I know this person this Sunday is, is struggling with cancer. Uh, you know, like I, I'll know that because I've been here and I've been with this body of people. And so I know that this song is going to hit them differently today. Or mm. this person, I know that their son or daughter um, is is really struggling right now because um, their child is gay and and it's it's something the church doesn't know how to talk to you know <laughs> in their life yeah. and and on Sunday morning what can I bring you know because because I know an actual face to put to it you know and um, or this person you know similar to what I've gone through in the past this person's coming and and she's bringing her kids every week faithfully and her husband left her you know and yeah. Um, you, I just don't think you get that um, if you're not a part of a local church and if you're not ministering somewhere. And so that really does, I, I try, I hopefully am, am informing that in my songwriting, you know, for the church and in things that I bring to church. And when I try to lead worship, um, I'm not just leading worship anymore for just like the faceless masses. I'm, I've actually yeah. got like people in mind that, and I, th I think it helps to maybe set a tone and a flavor when we're when we're coming. We we want to bring like I, one result of being in a local church and being with people and walking through them in situations like that is I want to make sure we get to proclaim something that really matters through our music and our worship on Sunday mornings. I I don't yeah. want to go for just something that's kind of shallow and fun and happy clappy. I really want to go for something that like. Like we can proclaim Jesus as Lord, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. You know, like this mm. this whole idea of, you know, one one song. It's not my song, but like a song that's been meant so much to my congregation um, and to people I wouldn't expect it to minister to because some of them are in sort of the older crowd. But um, like "Cry Out to Jesus" by Third Day, <laughs> mm. or or um, "Come as You Are" by by Crowder, or things like that. That. Um, a lot of times it's the older people in our congregation that really latch on to some of those songs because they've, you know, there'll be lines in there that remind them of, you know, their spouse that they just lost after they'd been married for 60 years, you know, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I think it I think it helps in a tremendous way to be connected to a local church in, in what I'm doing for sure. And I haven't even talked about the podcast I, that I, that we're currently recording that I do, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just been another cool area of ministry as well. That's awesome. I love that. Well, have I have I talked too much and and taken up time? We haven't talked very much about you yet and what you're doing. Um, was was there something else you wanted to ask me before we move on? Um, I think that's all that I had on my list. So all I'll right. 
usual questions. So. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I get to ask you something then now, and uh, and Go I for it. I hope that your listeners and mine have both enjoyed sort of my story today. I've enjoyed getting to talk about it and and again be reminded of what God's been doing. Um, but I want to find out from you, and 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 this is from your heart directly. I think. Um, what are your hopes and dreams for the future of the Young Clergy Network that you have, have – I mean, you've really built this thing. I know it's been in cooperation with a lot of people, but I know it's coming straight from your heart. What are your hopes and, and your dreams for the future? Oh, man. So uh, so let me just explain first like what the network is. So Young Clergy Network is a ministry of my church here in Oklahoma City, OKC First Church of the Nazarene. And um, we just noticed that young pastors seemed pretty disconnected um, and often felt like they were on an island or didn't have a voice. And so we actually started with a podcast. We started with this Nazarene life stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models as a way to kind of tell those stories and, and build a sense of relationship through story um, between pastors and um, simultaneously kind of, we, uh, had a series of local meetups, regional gatherings that we were putting together and more and more people were coming. And we started with 19 at our first um, day together and then um, 55 at our most recent um, regional meetup. And just realizing how motivating and encouraging and inspiring those times were for the people around us and thinking, oh, you know, maybe, maybe, all young pastors, maybe this is not just like an Oklahoma heartbeat. Maybe young pastors in the church of Nazarene um, are craving a sense of connection and are craving um, that, that their voice might be heard. They're really hoping for that. So we launched the podcast and um, very soon thereafter, we got a grant for a series of discussion panels and tied that into a conference, which was young clergy conference this past March and it was just an amazing time. 117 people from 16 different states in the U.S. came together at that conference. And it was it was beautiful. It was a time of getting to know each other and really becoming family and networking and building that sense of community and hearing from each other. We worshiped together. We prayed together. We brainstormed together. And it was just really, really um, inspiring, enriching time. And I'm just like so blessed and, and grateful to be able to put on an event like that and to invite everyone to just, you know, y'all come and, and see what happens and we'll pray that God shows up and really felt like the spirit was among us that weekend. Um, and we've got a lot of big dreams. So <sighs> hopes and dreams wise, we're launching a few different things. Um, a graduate fellowship for, um, young people who have just graduated a Nazarene institution in the U.S. to come spend a year with us and explore ministry. It's kind of a gap year program that we're hoping to get off the ground. We've already got our first graduate fellow here, Caleb Gibbs, here at the at the church. And um, it's pretty exciting just to be able to be a part of somebody's journey in that way. Um, I'm working with Southern Nazarene University to develop mentorship programs for the women in their theology program, which is really exciting. Mm. And... Um, Conference-wise, we're looking at next year, hopefully, uh, three or four or five global sites. So we'll have 
um, one conference in several locations. So hopefully a couple of places here in the U.S. and Manchester, England, and maybe Nairobi, Kenya, um, and maybe one or two more, just kind of um, working to to spread the conference a little bit so that yeah. everyone can, can come to one if they want to. It's, it's pretty pack and play. I mean, you need you know, name tags and a couple guest speakers and a space to worship. And we try to keep it pretty simple so that it can be replicated. But the heart and hope of the ministry is really encouragement and um, resourcing people and retention and um, helping young clergy um, speak out in, in graceful ways and to build connections with mentors and role models so that we don't feel like we're on an island either with each other or or within the greater sea of um, Nazarene clergy. So um, hoping we worked last year with um, Nazarene Research Services to survey um, young Nazarene clergy in the USA and Canada. And and I'm actually hoping to do more research along those lines and maybe even study um, graduating theology majors, kind of follow them on their journey for a few years and figure out um, if they're staying in ministry, why they're staying in ministry and how we can help them and resource them a little bit more. So a lot of hopes and dreams. I think um, we're trying a lot of different things right now and, we're wrapping up season two of the the podcast and really hoping to kind of spend the rest of the year um, fundraising in a sense, building those relationships where people might want to support the work that the network is doing. We've, yeah. we've really done almost everything we've done without a budget at all and really grateful to everyone who has already contributed in so many ways. You know, we hosted two meetups, like you said, at General Assembly and had over 350 people in attendance for those two gatherings put, put together. And so it was really exciting, a lot of really great energy in the room and we had Dr. Philly Chombo and Dr. Carla Sundberg and um, Dr. Deirdre Brower Latz and hmm. um, even Dr. David Busick prayed over one of the the meetups and so just that um, kind of networking together um, on a on a bigger and bigger scale man General Assembly was so inspiring just to see all the young pastors who showed up even though they weren't delegates and came to meetups and worked together to do things and be there for each other. It was really, really great. Yeah. Um, we actually, the network kind of put together a couple of young clergy houses um, near the venue. So for people who aren't delegates, you know, they can kind of find their own housing. And so we rented a couple houses on Airbnb and we put up uh, 30 plus pastors in those two places. And um, we're able to, just kind of, yeah, yeah. Just our way of saying, you know, Hey, if you can't come to general assembly because of the cost of the hotel or something, you know, let us, let us do whatever we can to pool our resources and, and figure some of that out. So, so smart. That's ex- so good. Yeah. We've so- experimented with a lot of different things. We have a, we have a meetup coming up at preachers con, just trying to encourage young clergy to show up there. And we have a regional gathering, um, at the very beginning of October with Dr. Richard, um, Beck, who's a author and, um, author of unclean hmm. and he's, you know, kind of an experimental theologian and a um, psychologist as well. So it's a really, really interesting, I think I'm really excited about the future of the network, excited to see what God puts together. And I'm continually amazed at the partnerships we're building and, um, the enthusiasm around the project, man, it's just really, really exciting. 
Well, that's fantastic. Well, I'm I'm really excited about what you're doing too, and and thank you for sharing some about that and just the hopes and dreams. And I know a lot of people listening to my pad, podcast might actually be new to the young clergy network so i'm glad that you took some time to talk about that and i i want to make sure if anybody uh wants to check out more information about your podcast and the network uh they can go to this naslife.com that's this n-a-z life.com and they'll be able to find more information about that and i think the the young clergy network there's a link on there as well uh, when you go to that site um and and i believe your other website is youngclergy.net correct Yes, youngclergy.net. You can listen to the podcast, check out the conference, you can donate, you can um, log in. We kind of have a a back end of our website for members of Young Clergy Network, and they just get the news and the updates and some promo codes to make some of our events cheaper. So you can always join the network at youngclergy.net for more information. Well, fantastic. Well, that's great. Well, what have uh, what have we not hit on today that, uh, pertaining to you and the Young Clergy Network that we should before we get out of here today? Oh, man, I just I hope that everyone listening to your podcast um, and everyone listening to this episode of This Nas Life just really feels invited, young or old, pastor or non-pastor. Um, we need you. We all need to come together and build bridges and mentoring relationships and make our tribe stronger for the long haul. Um, and I really want everyone just to know that they are invited to be to be a part of that, to be part of this movement. Fantastic. I love that. I love how inclusive you are. And uh, on just a personal note, as we start winding this down here today, I do want to make another plug. I just made an announcement today, actually, before we recorded, and I I mentioned it before, but on August 16th, I have a a new music video coming out uh, for a song I wrote from Psalm 130, and it's called More Than the Watchman. And so Mm -hmm. if if you watch, uh, well, my website's a good source, rickleejames.com. Uh, but also like facebook.com slash rickleyjames or Twitter, the handle is rickleyjames, things like that. Um, or YouTube, especially because it's a video, uh, youtube.com slash rickleyjames. Um, you'll be able to see the video starting on the morning of August 16th. Um, I really hope that people will spread it around, not just because it's one of my songs, which that's that's well and good. Um, but you'll see when it comes out uh, that the... the the editing has been done in such a way we are really trying to tell the story of many refugees uh, throughout the mm-hmm. telling of this video. So the video itself, uh, while there's several different scenes of, of me and a band playing together and singing and doing you know, the, the, the musician thing uh, in, a, in, a, in an old warehouse, because where else do we play? Um, there's that yeah. kind of stuff, but it's intermixed. The video actually starts off um, with scenes, actual scenes, because a friend of mine was there and, and, and took these videos, Brandon Sipes. Uh, he had a video mm-hmm. crew with him um, in Croatia last year where all these, it was like a train station and in refugee camps in different places. So these are original videos that unless NCM themselves release it, you won't actually get to see any of these videos anywhere else from actual refugee camps. So um, we have information in the video in addition to music about how people um, can find out more about refugees. There's a lot of myths going around in our world. Um, there's a lot yeah. of a lot of inhospi- um, 
inhospitable attitudes, I would say, um, towards them right now. And that's not like Jesus. And so if we can do anything with this, the music in this video, sometimes we've found that the music together with a story can, can kind of touch the heart in a way that other things can't. And when you do that, Mm -hmm. in addition to a video, and you see that there's a lot of just real precious children, you know, in these videos and their families. Um, and the video starts right off with a, a lady sitting in front of a bunch of porter pots, um, sick, not feeling good. She's got all this luggage around her, and her kids are just kind of running around. And if if nothing else, hopefully people will just see um, what it's like a little bit for these people who, at no fault of their own, um, are desperately seeking a home, and we should see the face of Jesus in all of them. So, so that's kind of the next thing for me that I'm that I'm hoping to get out in a big way, so people can see. And and the video ends um, with a link to the website uh, for ncm.org, where people can go to find out more about how to help refugees. So, um, anyway, that's sort of my selfish plug, but hopefully not too selfish because uh, I really want um, to bring as much help as we can. Um, oh no, that's beautiful. This. I love that. So. Well, uh, that's it for me today. So if you're done, I guess I'm done too. And we can, <laughs> we could probably, because we're both ministers, talk a lot longer than this. But um, I, as I always say to my guests, and uh, you know, you have your own spiel that you say as well. But what I say to my guests on Voices in My Head at the end of each week is thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Mm, and thank you for having me on the show. It has been a real pleasure, and uh, this was a fun crossover podcast, so thank you everyone, all listeners to both shows. Thank you for for being a part of this today. We hope it has been a real encouragement to you, and uh, drop us a line if you want to. My email is rick at rickleejames.com. Do you have any means that you'd like people to contact you through if they have any questions or comments? Yeah, uh, you can reach me over at brit at okcfirst.com. Brit at OKCFirst.com. Well, that is wonderful, and we are going to wrap it up right there and put a button on it. So thank you so much for being a part of this crossover episode today with Brit Fuller Jack. Yes, thanks for having me.